Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The attitudes expressed are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised, there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back. It's Recovery Sort Of. I am Jason, a guy who did not go to a a very great rehab. Hi, I'm Jenny. I'm a person in long-term recovery. And we're here with Chris today. Hi, Chris. Hi, how are you? Do you have a way you would like to introduce or refer to yourself around recovery? Uh, Chris, I am in hopefully long-term recovery. I get seven months at the end of the week. Nice. Congratulations. I'm on my way. So, and and this is kind of interesting for me. I don't know a whole lot about your history, but you go to the Recovery Dharma meeting, I correct? do. I go to Recovery Dharma uh, with Jenny. Uh, she's our fabulous – She that's how we met. She's one of our fabulous uh, facilitators. It's peer-led, so um, I actually ran it the other day um, or a week or two ago. And then I also uh, started a another group, Sangha, uh, which is like a community of wise friends – as we say on the path. And uh, so I, it's Buddha Thunk, and that's on Sundays. So we have Thursdays and Sundays in our Sangha. I love the name. They name it Buddha Thunk. <laughs> it sounds so much nicer to call your fellow peers and new to the community people like a community of wise people than like, eh, it's a bunch of addicts. Or... <laughs> yeah, I think I mean? it breaks down. I, I can only speak for me and how I feel about it. I don't know how Jenny does, but I think it breaks down the stigma. Absolutely. As like, you know, as I'll talk about in my recovery journey, we we all are other things outside of recovery, which is super interesting. Um, you know, I'm a theater artist. I have a wine degree. You know, I'm creative. I do all these other things. We each have our own lives outside of recovery. So bringing that into the rooms as opposed to other programs that <clears throat> I'm also a part of, um, but that kind of want to just keep it what you like program 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 is kind of cool to me is that we're all kind of bringing in our own expertise and outside influence we are totally going to get to your story but you've already like got me questioning all kind of things that i find fascinating so one i don't know that i personally have run into somebody who did not come into recovery through like a generally the 12 step community or something along those lines, right? With that, that kind of, I don't want to call it the old way of thinking, but that other way of thinking of like, I'm an addict or I'm an alcoholic or I'm a this or uh-huh. I'm a that. And so that's fascinating. Do you identify as oh, I'm a anything? I'm an alcoholic. I'm an addict. I'm in uh, both of those 12 step programs. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, when I was in rehab, uh, I definitely. Got into those programs, but Recovery Dharma is really the thing that kind of led me to where I'm at in recovery. I go to meetings. I go to about 12 a week. Um, so shit. Yeah. I don't really. Yeah. Um, so I I'm definitely. get you today. Um, yeah. I'm like, I have three more today. Um, wow. So I have Recovery Dharma uh, and the other two 12-step programs today. So uh, I definitely am really a part of those programs, but I definitely did find myself in sobriety, which I personally take as being a healthy, truthful, and uh, open mind, body, and spirit mm. is what sobriety to me means. Uh, and I think that's what recovery means as a whole. Uh, so I definitely, recovery dharma is the way I kind of got in. I think we all have an in in some way into everything in life. Mm-hmm. And that was mine when I was in rehab. And I'm going to question you about another thing in one second, but I, yeah. I'm actually fascinated by if people were to find recovery in recovery dharma and not enter the 12 step community if they would call themselves anything or how they would identify like what would you think i'm i'm a wise member of the community like do you even think i'm an addict or an alcoholic if you've never encountered that and you're just in dharma so recovery dharma i mean and jenny can please we put in your thoughts uh so recovery dharma is a quote-unquote recovery program for anything. It can be sex addiction, love addiction, drugs, alcohol, smoking, uh, using technology. It can be anything. So you do self-identify yourself as whatever you see fit. 
I think that it kind of is, uh, yes, it uses the Buddhist teachings for recovery, but I think it also adds to your whole kind of just vibe and growing as a person. So I definitely, I don't know. In our readings, it does say that, you know, we suggest uh, supplementing this with other 12-step programs. Does it? It does. That's fascinating. uh, I think that, because Recovery Dharma came from Refuge Recovery Mm -hmm. and then split off. Uh, So I think that, at least in my understanding, most of the people in the rooms that I have met and know are using it as a supplement to other programs. That's interesting. But I don't think it would be out of line or out of context to just be in Recovery Dharma. Yeah, I think in the book it does – I think it says both. It says – I think it says you can do this as your only program or you can do it in cooperation with other mm. programs. And um, I know in this area, like Cecil County in particular, that is usually the case that they do it with other programs mm-hmm. because we're really not a very big Sangha. We're not no. strong. We're not strong enough in the fact that we don't have like members that are like years deep in Buddhist recovery to mentor other people. So there are a few people that this is their only program. They're only meeting during the week, but uh, most active people are also in 12 steps or smart or something else. My brain is all over the place with thinking of like, we need a stronger Sangha in the Star Wars force <laughs> methods or something. I don't know. Uh, that's where I was going. Um, I know nothing about Star Wars. I'll, I'll say it on the record. I've seen every movie, though, so please don't drag me online. I'd say you don't know nothing. It's fine. Most of my references end up being too old for people who listen. <laughs> sometimes they're just out of the realm of what people watch. Um, so we're talking about... Uh, rehabs today rehabs detox luxury rehabs holistic rehabs basic rehabs state-funded rehabs uh and and we're not gonna do great at identifying all them um but you went to a holistic rehab and i did what i'm interested in before i ask you to tell a little bit more about your story is i'm curious and i feel like you kind of already told me this before but I'm, i'm curious anyway do you think your holistic view of recovery that you've just kind of expressed already in the first few minutes stems from your introduction to recovery by that holistic rehab that maybe put emphasis on those things? Or do you think I just kind of ended up that way because that's kind of who I am and that just was the rehab I sought out? Both. I think (laughs) that I, so I identify as a queer gay male. Um, I went to art school in center city, Philly, uh, so I am a little bit maybe off the beaten path gotcha. and kind of marched to the spirit of my own drum. So I definitely sought out a rehab that also did that. I know personally, I had been in therapy before um, I went to rehab. So I definitely sought out some place that was going to be a little more holistic, a little more not so much the what people identify as a rehab rehabs. Uh, So I really wanted to do all the art therapy and kind of, you know, I I wear a crystal. I am into kind of being a creative and learning as much as I can. Uh, So I want some place that I definitely knew that you would be learning and growing different skills that I might not just discover out on my own in this recovery journey. Awesome. Okay. So now that I'm, 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 uh appeased for the moment and and you should tell a little bit about your story like how you got to the point of needing rehab if you're comfortable yeah of course i'm an open book where you ended up it doesn't have to be specific but just what it was like and tell yeah so my name is chris i identify as an alcoholic and an addict uh i basically in short uh i'm 27 i turned 28 on tuesday oh happy birthday thank you so maybe by the time this is published i will already be 28 (laughs) so uh so basically in short i started drinking kind of casually i'm from the jersey shore yes it's exactly what you think it's like (laughs) that town that the show is shot is about 15 minutes from my house yolo so yeah so like jim tan laundry the whole thing uh he actually looks a little more Jersey Shore than I do today, but you know, <laughs> so easy. No, it's not a diss. I'm just saying it's definitely it's down here is a little bit different. So I decided. So I moved to Philly uh, and lived in Philly for ten years. Ended up going to school there uh, for theater. Really, kind of became active in a bunch of different communities and started drinking more and more. 
I ended up getting a sommelier degree, which is a degree in wine and spirits. So I'm like a quote unquote wine expert or so they say. And so from there, I, you know, drinking just started becoming an everyday thing because you're also getting paid to drink. You're getting paid to try things. You're trying new cocktails. You're smelling these wines. You're doing things. So like at the end of a shift or potentially a workshop or something, you're already potentially a few drinks in. And then everything kind of becomes, you know, you're working different hours than most people. So I'm working night shifts and you're getting out late. So you're friends with all the bartenders around. So you're getting free drinks. Uh, I don't know how much you guys know about gay bars, but I'll educate you a little bit on a gay bar. So um, the rocks glasses that normal people get usually have like a shot of liquor in them. Gay bars, they fill it to like practically the brim and then just your Coke on top or your Sprite on top. Hmm. So automatically you're kind of conditioned in a way to be a heavy drinker, uh, which I'm not blaming gay bars because I love them and my friends own them and run them and everything. But so you're kind of conditioned and you don't really, I think, realize it as much. And from there, I kind of spiraled out. I lost my dad at the very start of COVID, actually, like three days after COVID broke out um, in, on March 20th of mm. 2020. And so I thought I was doing like, okay, but I was very much doing the like, let's cover it up and emotions with drinking. I then proceeded to move back to Philly and was like wearing a hazmat suit on the street serving tables and kind of got depressed. I definitely, you know, kind of was woe is me the whole situation turned to drugs because they're prevalent in Philly and in the restaurant communities and just everywhere. And so I kind of started spiraling out with drugs and then would try to swing one way to like cover it with alcohol, would be like, oh, I'm drinking entirely too much, swing one way with drugs. And then by the end of it, it was just a huge cluster. Can we curse on here? Yes. Oh, it was a clusterfuck. And so it was a complete fucking nightmare. And sorry, I curse like a sailor. No, it's um, great. My poor mother's going to watch this. And she's like, oh, Christopher, <laughs> we can't take you anywhere, even on a podcast, um, <laughs> for recovery. Uh, so I basically uh, had a moment where I was like, this is too much. This is all kind of spiraling out. And I attempted suicide, uh, which is not a good idea. Mm. Do not suggest. Uh, and so I kind of had a come-to moment. I woke up. There was blood everywhere. Um, and, you know, when you're doing drugs and different things, there's going to be blood. There's going to be mornings where you wake up and you're kind of still fucked up or you don't know where you are and you're doing shitty things. And I realized, like, that's not who I want to be and that's not the person I am. Uh, and also, like, how am I going to get out of this? So I was like, I should try to kill myself. That luckily didn't work. And so I was like, I need to go to rehab. Luckily for me, my sister had previously gone to rehab. She went to Life Healing Center in Santa Fe, New Mexico, where I ended up going. And she spoke really highly of the program. It really seemed to help her grow as a human. And that was more my thing is like, yes, I'm an addict. Yes, I'm an alcoholic. But take those things away. Why was I using? What, what were the issues? What was I missing? And so I know that she's also kind of, I, I use the term hippie dippy. Um, people find that offensive. I don't think it's offensive, especially if I'm self-identifying as hippie dippy. So we're just going to roll with it. Um, you get what you paid for. You asked me to be yes. Do you get what you get? Um, so uh, I, it's, it was more hippy dippy, and so and holistic. So holistic to me, uh, and from what I've learned online, is probably not the traditional what you see in the movies. Uh, there's that fabulous rehab movie with Sandra Bullock, and I, of course, was like, if Sandra Bullock can go to rehab. I can go to rehab. Um, <laughs> You know, if it's good enough for Liza Minnelli, it's good enough for me. And so I wasn't going to like the Betty Ford Clinic or something fancy. I was going to a holistic rehab that kind of focused on the mind, body, and spirit and emotions, as well as what your issue that you were going to rehab with. So I went with the quote unquote diagnosis of, and once they do the whole intake and kind of identify you, which I always think is really interesting. Uh, and I'll go on a tangent on this if I, if you don't mind, yeah. is that, uh, they identify you at what you are when you get there. Hmm. So, which I think is really good because I think it plants the seed, but then it allows you to grow into that and kind of see like, am I this or am I not this? For me, yes, I was this. I have depression and anxiety. 
suicidal ideations, uh, you know, an addict and an alcoholic. So they kind of, you know, I detoxed or quote unquote for a few days here in Cecil County, Maryland. And then I shipped off to Santa Fe, New Mexico, kicking and screaming and crying, as you do when you're going to rehab sometimes. Even though I asked to go, uh, I definitely was very reluctant. And I got there morning of and was like, listen, mom, this is a 30-day program. I'm going to do a solid seven and be out of here. And she was like, "Mm, how about you give me a solid 14? And I was like, okay. And then I would get a plane ticket because I'm out of this place. Like, this is not for me. Rehab is just not my thing. I called probably by day six and was like, I'm staying here forever. I'm never leaving. (laughs) Rehab's the greatest. Where did you detox in Cecil County? Just at your house? At my house. Really? Highly unsuggestible. Did, Did the rehab suggest that? No. Oh. I I am my own doctor. Um, okay. No, um, I'm not my own doctor. Please do not think that's serious. Um, I decided, so I basically, after a very long 48-hour binge, packed up all my stuff and came down here and kind of did my own detox where I kind of just laid on my couch and sweated out and did the things. It's highly unsuggestible. I probably should have gotten medical care, being on a bunch of drugs and alcohol, but I did that. And because I kind of also, in my own sense, and I'm, again, speaking from my own personal opinion and experience, I didn't think being in the middle of the mountains in the Santa Fe desert was going to be the best idea for this city boy to detox. Hmm. Knowing what detox was going to be like, which it wasn't anything like I read about, uh, I definitely, so I just wrote it out. I did uh, some Gatorade, water eating because again if you're using you're not really eating much depending on what you're using so i did all of that in cecil county in my mom's house yeah wow that's incredible i feel like i don't know about most people but quite a few people actually get messed up before they go that's kind of almost how you trick yourself into getting there like (laughs) yeah so a lot of people (laughs) are like oh i used and there was definitely i had friends that had shown up to rehab i mean six to the wind i mean on everything uppers downers and candy corn i mean which i which is great i don't think i probably would have stayed i think i would have woken up and been like Oh, absolutely not. So I think going into it, for me, my buy-in was that I was already sober. Jenny, they're getting messed up on candy corn at them whoopee parties you talked about <laughs> last episode. Uh, that's that's where that goes. I do like candy corn. Um, do you? you? Know, yeah, I do. I think I'm like, I'm, I'm definitely a minority. There. I was going to say, you are a minority. I think I'm like a somewhat in that minority, but like it's an, it's, I'm a very seasonal candy corn person. I'm, I'm seasonal and I, I don't even care if it's stale. I like it in November and December too. <laughs> Hey, so you guys talking about this detox thing. When I went to rehab, I I actually quit. And I was just alcohol. I mean, just I, alcohol. <laughs> one of the most dangerous to quit. <laughs> and um, I, I stopped drinking seven days before I entered rehab. And when they were like, when was your last drink? And I, I would tell them the date. And they looked up from their clipboard like, really? Like, I'm like, yeah. Like, and so now I'm seeing why. I Oh, people were definitely, the nurses were definitely questioning that mindset that i was like oh i haven't drank in i think it was like four or five days when i got there and people it's definitely i think not the norm and i don't think they advertise that that like there's no kind of like if you're going to rehab detox or don't detox i think they're just like come to rehab well and maybe this is the point where we we do pause your story just for a second and, and distinction like you know the words are used, at least in my head, very universally, like detox, rehab, same thing, whatever. But really, detox is the medical detoxification of your body. And Correct. rehab is more about the rehabilitation portion where you're supposed to be learning new ways of interacting with your world that allow you to be free of that substance in the future. And and I, I do think they get used you know, interchangeably quite a bit, but there is a, an actual distinction. Did they... Do they detox people at the They place do you went detox to? people and they do do um oh my gosh, the word is not coming to me, weaning off uh programs oh, okay. for different uh opioids and different drugs. Like medically assisted treatment. Medically assisted treatment okay. for sure. There is definitely that. But yeah, no, there wasn't really a suggestion. I definitely know that I was of the minority of people 
when it came to like not showing up fucked up. I think they just assumed that if they were to tell people, hey, yeah, yeah, go ahead and start detoxing now, that nobody would come. So Well, no one would come, and I think it's also super dangerous, like thinking about it, hearing other people's stories in the rooms and what they went through. I truly don't really remember what I went through, but I'm sure it wasn't mm. the greatest thing medically to be doing. So I saw train spotting. I know what you went through. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I I know I saw people go through it in rehab, and I was kind of you know again not looking down on anybody, but I was like, thank God I'm not doing that as well right now because like some of these people definitely had like their first week was absolute hell, right? And I just don't know if that would have been a buy-in for me. Hmm. Looking back, I would gesture to say it probably was would not be it's hard to picture you running through the streets while iggy pop played though i gotta be honest it's just i don't know <laughs> iggy know? pop yeah she was talking about train spotting oh uh, it's another anyway. it's a movie yeah it's a oh, movie there is a big age difference <laughs> <laughs> listen our, i have a barbara streisand tattoo and watch the golden girls is that like what that is? this is a barbara streisand nose nice. for everyone and i will bring this up when we i'll talk tattoos when we got to talking. I wanted to do a whole episode on tattoos, but we can recover. Are we going to do really? That was on my list oh. of ideas. Yeah. Recover tattoos. I'd love that. Um. So you get there. So I got to rehab, yeah. and you know, you do the intake, and that was super, you know, daunting. And I was rereading my journals actually uh, last night in preparation for this, and I was openly talking about like I don't want to kill myself, but I would love to just die right now. Mm. Like I would love to just be taken out of my misery. The idea of not being here the anymore. idea of just not being here. And so, in somehow in six days, that changed to like I love life and uh, everything. So, <laughs> my journey in rehab, you have uh, there's a few components to it. So I'll try to explain it. Uh, so you have a therapist that you meet with two times a week. Uh, that's a licensed, mastered therapist uh, or whatever. And then you have group therapy four times a week uh, for three hours in the morning. And your groups are led and facilitated. Uh, you have different topics, but then we each have five projects. The five projects is a huge thing that they mention in this rehab. It's kind of like their core kind of thing. So you do a kind of inspiration timeline of like who you are as a person, what brings you joy. You do an inside out project, how you feel on the inside and how you feel on the outside and portray and the differences in that. You do a timeline of kind of all of your major events that would fit into your addiction or rehab story. You do a shame project where you kind of do all, you know, however you want to identify your shame and let it go. And then you do a three circles project, which is uh, when I'm in the green, when I'm in the yellow and in the red as your final project, as you leave to kind of know where you're at and what identifies you as triggers and different things. So it's really cool to me right away. So I already knew of this, that they did projects and it was more creative. So you can do them different ways. I did my shame project as a song uh, that I sang to my dad at his grave, I did uh, a huge timeline glitter board. I did a playbill as my timeline and everything. So it was kind of each person brought in their own thing. The thing that I right away realized about rehab is it's not a bunch of people that you think are going to be in rehab. I had a nun. I had an FBI agent, a Navy SEAL two kindergarten teachers, we had a doctor, we had a, uh, one of the top lawyers in I forget what state, and then a bunch of other people. We had a guy that lived in a van that played pop music that was on some TV show. We had a bunch of really cool artists and tattoo artists. Uh, so it was really kind of a group of people that were all similar-minded. I think everyone kind of sought out. And, and there was a series of people that had been to rehab and a series of people that hadn't. And I think what was really cool is you could kind of see that most people there were on the same wavelength of, I need something else besides just your run-of-the-mill rehab, which is not to say that those don't work, but I think different people identify differently with different things. So for me personally, I really identified with, so we had art therapy. So mind you, let me just get into this. We are in the Santa Fe, New Mexico desert mountains. So we are up like 3,000 feet or something, or 7,000 feet, 3,000 from like the base level of Santa Fe in the mountains. 
in casitas, which are kind of like adobe cabin huts. And uh, the, there's two major buildings, uh, one that houses the kitchen, and then everything else is trailers. And it's dirt roads. There's live animals walking around the premises, deer. and like Domesticated? Or... No, 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 no. Like outright, like wild animals. wild animals, like just kind of outright in the desert. Are there tarantulas? I personally didn't see any, but like at night you'd hear coyotes and you, you know, witness deer. And like we woke up one morning and there was a dead deer. And... That, was, that was just other people from the rehab that wasn't coyotes. No, you know, I wish. Oh my God, that'd be so incredible. Um, we did do, speaking of, we did do night chanting. We did do the night moon chanting and howling. So I was a participant. Um, so nonetheless, and then because I'm sure there'll be a bunch of questions. Uh, so I went and experienced what was the greatest 33 uh, days of my life. I ended up staying for 33 days. Uh, it, in in hindsight, I don't know if I really would have gotten through a traditional rehab without some of these outlets that I used. So yes, you have the group events. There's game day, there's game nights, there's karaoke night, there's movie nights and documentary night. But then also they bring in a bunch of different, different uh facilitators so you're you're besides your group that you do all morning for about three and a half hours you then have groups on codependency anger management you have both of the 12-step programs we have recovery dharma so we had all those things that are more that you see in a traditional rehab and then we had things like ecotherapy where you're out finding things in the desert and building things we had art therapy led by a incredible art therapist we did crystal healing we did sound bowl therapy which is playing sound bowls they had different adjunctives so you could do reiki or massage therapy or you could do things like uh cognitive behavior therapy and somatics and emdr and sort of kind of supplementary things that might be a little more holistic that allow you you know of course there's tons of meditation there's tons of yoga and then there's a gorgeous program called creative discovery living which kind of allows you to do all those three things you kind of write or create or make something to help you discover who you are and i think that was really really cool for me it really really helped to kind of come at it from a holistic standpoint where i'm healing myself from this disease of addiction and drugs and everything, but it also growing and experiencing as a person. Wow. So, okay. When this episode idea was presented to me, you know, the, the word bougie rehab got thrown around. Right. Uh -huh. Um, and it was interesting when, when you came in today, I mentioned the word luxury rehab as a alternative to bougie or fancy. Um, and you were like, Oh, we're, we were in huts, right. With like dirt floors. And I'm like, I don't know. It still feels like planned, like almost like if Burning Man was rehab, yeah, like right? You're like, roughing it, right? Like, like it's planned roughing it. It's not actually like that. They don't have money for fancy marble floors. It's that they, but so I, you know, I, I had my own interpretation. Yeah, right. Um, so I, I do think maybe that's a good time to make that distinction. Like there. I don't know that every rehab falls into one of these specific types, but you know, there's state funded rehab, which would be someplace that is getting grant money and, mm -hmm. you know, operating at a base level of just affording what they can to get by to stay open. There's a, a basic rehab, whatever we would call that, where, you know, you have your, your normal stuff, you go there, you have some groups, you learn about NA or AA and, and life goes on. It was interesting. You said it has what you were like, oh, I think they had what everybody else had, like Recovery Dharma. I'm like, I have never seen Recovery Dharma. But this was a long time ago, too, so maybe they'd have that now. I don't know. Um, but then there's, you know, what we would call, I guess, luxury rehabs, like you, your Passages Malibu, maybe? Or, yeah, or I think that's Betty more. Ford I or... think Betty Ford, um, shout out um, <laughs> to my girls down there. Uh, no, I definitely think I met some people that talked about their rehab experience in rehab while we were there. And they had basketball courts, swimming pools. They were going to spa treatments. And they were in, like, gorgeous air-conditioned buildings. And not that, like... We were all like roughing it, roughing it, but like we are out in the Santa Fe, New Mexico desert. It wasn't, you know, the most lavish. The food was incredible. The chef was great, but uh, it wasn't wasn't the most lavish place I had been. And I looked at pictures post rehab and at some other rehabs, and I was like, 
Oh, I was okay. There's definitely so what we were doing sounds luxury and maybe a little bit like Burning Manish, but I definitely don't think like in comparison. I don't know. I think it was more holistic than it was bougie or luxury. I definitely took from the experience what I did in the th- I think that if there was all those luxury or bougie elements, I don't really think I would have cared. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if you could sit outside and like be in the pool or like play basketball. I'm not playing basketball, but um <laughs> but like if there was like legit more stuff, I don't know if I really would have like been a part of it in my own recovery. I think I would have kind of just taken it as a vacation, which can be great to pop out from your life and kind of have a moment. But I don't think I would have gotten to the point where I'm here on a podcast talking about recovery. That makes sense. No, absolutely. Like what I hear out of that statement is that, you know, those things could have been present or not present. Uh, Maybe they would have altered your course in the sense of like, it wouldn't have felt as uh, soul searching. If they were there, right, it might have felt more like vacation, but more to the point of even if they were available, they wouldn't have been necessarily impactful for your process. They would have just been there. And I think that, like, the whole vibe – so Santa Fe uh, sits on a slab of obsidian, which is a stone that kind of is for healing powers as it is. So this is, like, true – factual obsidian is under the ground in Santa Fe. So when you're there, I don't know if either of you have ever been, you 360 view of mountainscape. Hmm. So it's the most gorgeous thing and gorgeous sunsets and everything. But the whole uh, campus is, you know, there's Mexican prayer flags. There's uh, the Native American Lakota tribe uh, had made a uh, medicine wheel. There's a Greek labyrinth, which like is known to like capture the monster within you. Uh, in Greek mythology, there's, you know, different flags and the whole place is decorated with rocks um, that are painted by all past uh, participants mm. in rehab. So it's kind of really cool. There's kind of a communal vibe. Uh, there's a victory garden, a prayer garden. There's, you know, a, there's a huge yurt, which is like a giant slab uh, that they didn't like fully build. So you can sit out there and watch the stars and everything. So it kind of has this kind of ethereal vibe to it. It's interesting. And I think if nothing else, the the first thing I learned today is definitely the idea that had somebody presented this style of rehabilitation to me, I would have been like, Oh, that's code word for bougie. Right? Like, like, but maybe there is this other alternative, right? Maybe there is the state funded, the basic, the, the fancy luxury. And then maybe there is this other holistic version of a rehabilitation center that I am just definitely in my experience, never been exposed to. Cause all my experience was, uh, you know, basic or lower. So for I sure. think that in my experience and is that, and I'm not knocking anybody on the East Coast recovery. I think the recovery program that I found here in Cecil County is absolutely incredible. However, when looking up rehabs, especially around the area that I was in, it seemed like mental health was kind of not really at the forefront and growing spiritually and to my fullest self wasn't really at the forefront. That is a huge thing out in the Southwest. Mm. And I think that is something that you find a lot of these similar types of rehabs out there in that they are kind of focusing more on growing your truest self Mm. as opposed to just fixing a problem. This episode has been brought to you in part by Voices of Hope, Inc., a nonprofit recovery organization made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, members strive to protect the dignity of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, harm reduction and support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopemaryland.org and consider donating to our calls. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
honestly, I would really be curious about, and I know they don't exist, but if there were statistics to show like which one of these has better outcomes or seems to be more useful for I people's I think it lives. also super depends. There was, and I'm not just saying this, but I am just saying this, but there's people that went to this rehab that I was at who this rehab was not for. Mm. You know, chanting with a 90-year-old woman from the Lakota tribe of New Mexico to the sun god and to the moon god and to the different directions was not for some of these people. Hmm. You know, doing Buddhist recovery was not for some of these people. Art therapy was not for some of these people. So I definitely think had I gone to a other rehab, I don't think I would have participated as much. Whereas I bought into and buy into all of these things as a person outside of my addiction and recovery art therapy, doing, being a creative, making stuff, crystals, all that stuff is interesting to me as a whole. Mm -hmm. So I think that I bought into the holistic alternative medicine kind of style of rehab, as opposed to there were some people that got there, I don't fully think might have done as much research and kind of were like, what is this? What are we doing? Which like, I could totally see. So I think it depends... I would be interested to see those statistics, but I also think it depends on the person. Like, as from what I know of Jenny, I think that Jenny would like be successful. In, oh yeah, I'm totally thinking about uh, in some, relapsing. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, I don't know you as well, but like, I think that it super depends on who you are as a person versus any other statistic. I think this podcast needs to fund sending me to rehab for the experience so I can talk about it personally. No, it's, uh, it's, I swear, I need to get this message from the universe, don't I? Because if it's not Billy, it's somebody else here reminding me that there is no one size answer for everyone. I swear to God, I will get this message one day when somebody gives it to me. So uh, I do want to say for everybody, you know, when the term holistic gets thrown out, I think people think of you know, if, if Billy was here, he would say something like woo-woo, right? Like he, he uses that terminology a lot. You you said uh, hippy-dippy, right? Like I think that tends to be what we think of. And you even said something just a second ago that caught me, uh, alternative medicine, right? Uh -huh. and, and I do think these are some of the connotations we get of the word holistic when we think about it. But I, I don't want people to be completely misconstrued. Like holistic can mean some of those pieces and aspects, but really the idea of holistic is that the treatment is characterized by the whole person. Correct. That's what it really means, right? They're taking into account your your medical issues. They are treating mm -hmm. those for sure. They're they're treating your mental state. They're treating your social state, your spiritual state. Like this is mind, body, and spirit to yeah, the fullest. It's everything. It's, a, it's everything, and that's so hippy dippy i think some of the activities of this are that but i find that when googling and i'm so happy you brought that up is that because of course i would be the one to forget my own like you know holistic means this but yes it means like mind body and spirit they take in so much and they're throwing at you a thousand and one different things and just seeing what sticks. That was also what was really helpful. It was a super individualized program. Mm -hmm. I never was forced into doing like, yes, try everything. But like for me as, you know, this sounds like, ugh, but like I'm an actor. So like the psychodrama workshop wasn't for me. I was like, she, her accent's off. That's not what was said. You need, you know, and so I was like, she sat over there actually and the chair wasn't this color, so I can't really buy into this. You know, oh. acting like the Meryl Streep of rehab. You're hurting my heart. I love psychodrama. Which, which is great, <laughs> which is great. You know what I mean? And it works for some people. Me, personally, I was like, I'm not going to play out some of these things and I just don't, you know, but if there was super, you know, again, what did you just say? Mind, body, and spirit and yeah, woo-woo and hippy-dippy are terms that people throw out. But I think I found, at least when looking up, and you are more of a scientific expert than I, So, uh, but alternative medicine is what they kind of identify things like somatics and EMDR and some of the things that we were Reiki and some of those things fall into that category. So I think holistic and alternative medicine, at least in my understanding, is sort of meshed in one of those like it's a rectangle it's a square type things like one can be identified as something but can't mm -hmm. be identified as the other i'm not quite sure but i think that's kind of what i took from where i was at 
viewing it. And I'm sure everyone had their own experience at LHC and with their own thing. To me, the things like animal therapy and crystal healing and sound bowl healing and Reiki and, you know, we did all these chantings and meditation. It all really helped because I allowed to kind of break the mold of like, I'm here in recovery. I'm not drinking, you know, and it really allowed me to kind of grow as a human being and see the reasonings for me using as opposed to just like, don't pick up a drug or a drink. No, absolutely. I, and so I, I guess the reason I tend to personally shy away from any connotation of alternative medicine is what it brings up in my mind is, you know, we have these evidence-based researched uh, medicines that we use, but I'm going to choose this thing that's contrary to that instead, right? And, yeah. and I don't like that idea. I want people to understand, like, these aren't these are not not researched ideas. Like these yeah. are things that have research. I think and they're backing. just like not run of the norm. Right. And I think that's you know I hate to get on my soapbox, but like queer culture. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's pride. Happy pride, everybody. <laughs> um. But so it's definitely one of those things that like there is research and research and research and research upon all of these things, but because they're not the like very run of the mill, they put them in this category of alternative. They're not cis medicinal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could go on my soapbox, but I won't, right. but uh, it's definitely one of those things that I think, you know, art therapy is a proven thing. Animal therapy, you can get a therapy animal. These are all things that, you know, I don't, Again, I didn't go to a state-funded or what people identify as traditional rehab. So I don't know if they do offer that kind of thing there. But I think that me being able to connect to who I am as a person, as a creative, and bring that into my recovery has super opened up my eyes to so much. I mean, even if we took out the the researched back methods, right? Like... so when we say when the word alternative is used to alternative medicine, it's not alternative as in the sense of, hey, we know what works, but we're going to do something different. Yeah. It's more, hey, there's some other options that also work that, you know, different we, strokes for different folks. We're not even sure they might work better. We just haven't really evaluated them a whole lot yet. Um, but even just the concept of like going into a place in your early recovery and experiencing all these different uncomfortable things, right? Like. Even if you're into it, somebody puts you in a group of people when you're at like 10 days clean or, or sober and they're like, hey, we're all going to chant or we're going to do oh, like, it's super this is uncomfortable as fuck. Right? Yeah. I mean, one of the most uncomfortable situations that I was in personally uh, was probably on day five or six. Uh, I had just gotten there, you know, so now you're, you know, you got a week or a half, a week and a half clean or whatever. So you're a little more clear headed and we laid in a dark room and did sound bowl healing, which is incredible if you've never done. I Beautiful. highly suggest it. It's the most gorgeous sound. It's like the, uh, but like so with sounds. Relaxing. And it's, you know, it's like fancy crystal balls and she's playing all these things and gongs. And so your eyes are closed. You're laying in this room of about 12 to 15 people. And, but you have such an out of body experience. And it's, it is a little bit uncomfortable. It's super scary to be that vulnerable in yourself where like you hear people sobbing, you hear people laughing, you hear all these different emotions that can be brought up and you're sort of overwhelmed by that. And I think that it's definitely something to counterbalance what I said earlier about how great it was. There was definitely situations that I was in that I think you had to be open and joyous Mm -hmm. and kind of free to while I'm here, might as well try it. You know, if you had told me, especially when you're using, I mean, who's going to be like, sound bowl healing's going to save you, Chris? Or like, <laughs> this 90-year-old woman that's going to give you a maraca and tell you to shake and chant in a foreign language, she's going to open up your day. And like, she did. But like, in in hindsight, I'm like, oh, wow, she really did. But like, at first, you're like, what am I doing? Is this cultural appropriation? Mm. Am I being offensive? Like, I, I don't speak this language. Like, but, you know, most white people ain't thinking that, but I'm glad that you were thoughtful enough to think of that. I'm still bitter about soundball healing because I bought two tickets to attend one um, in Cecil County right before the pandemic. And then they had to postpone it and then they had to postpone it. And then the place went out of business and I'm out 40 bucks. Oh, that's sad. I know. And I had done it there and it was really good. Yeah. Soundball <laughs> healing is incredible. I definitely would serve that. Something that I want to talk about also that we kind of alluded to 
is uh, so uh, it also allowed you to be, and I do not know from other rehabs, but it allowed you to be really free thinking mm. and really kind of go on this journey with the group and people guiding you in different ways. So like me, when we talked about recovery Dharma and I wasn't buying into the 12 step program at first because I othered myself out in every which way I could. I'm gay. Gay people aren't in recovery. They are. I'm a sommelier. I, you know, have a wine degree. The woman was like one of the top Bush beer reps. And, and she was like, you can sit down. You're, you're supposed to be here. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and then God was a huge thing. So me in rehab, they were like, what you have to find a higher power. And I was like, well, I'm not really religious. I'm more spiritual. They're like something that you, so I decided to choose Barbara Streisand as my higher power and Barbara Streisand didn't change for anybody. And I, you know, went on this whole big Barbara Streisand strike. Uh, so when I got my six months, I got Barbara Streisand's nose tattooed on me, but it allowed me to kind of, you know, be free thinking and get in. Now I use spirit of the universe. I'm more spiritual than ever, but it allowed me in this kind of free thinking, creative kind of rehab to really be open to change and open to stuff that I don't think, I think a lot of other places and from what I heard when people were talking and sharing both in rehab and out and since I've been out is that like a lot of that kind of stuff is, is given to you as like, there is one way and this is it, which is absolutely great. And some people need that. But me coming from always being kind of a flower child, sort of creative mindset, I was like, I needed that to heal. And and I was, I think part of that, I'm glad you said it. It was uh, where my brain was going when you were talking about all these different experiences and the uncomfortability of being there. What I was thinking was, man, there's probably a lot to be gained from a scenario like that, right? You go into this detox rehab, you have these uncomfortable experiences, and, and, and that probably creates a sense of, I can walk into the world and walk into uncomfortable situations and be okay, right? I'll get through it. Whereas like a typical rehab, in my experience, like what you're saying is more this is how it works. If you're thinking outside of that, it's because you're not fucking ready to quit yet. Um, mm -hmm. And you need to do it this way. And so it's, it's almost like a programming to get back into society, but it doesn't really prepare you to face that that's uncomfortable because you've never fucking done it. Correct. I Have I ever told you my 51 miles story? Tell me again. Okay. So speaking of walking in uncomfortable situations, there is a lap, um, <clears throat> the uh, half paved, half not, half uphill, half downhill around the rehab. And so I would do laps all the time, just walking in nature and stuff in between groups. And I finally, there's all these rocks, they're all painted. And all of a sudden I saw a lap record, 204 or 200 laps. And I was like, oh, that's cool. But like, so far I've already walked. One lap was a fourth of a mile. So I was like, so far I've already walked like 160 since my time here. So like, I'm going to whoop this lap record's ass. And they were like, no, that was in one day. And I was like, oh, okay. So me and my free thinking, I was like really out of rut where I wasn't trusting community. I wasn't trying to find a way to be back. I still had the using mentality of like, maybe I'm not ready to give it up. And maybe I'm not ready to rely on other people to be guided. And maybe I'm not here for this. So I woke up <clears throat> in what seems like something that I would think of drunk, but was sober in rehab and was like, tomorrow I'm going to beat the lap record. I'm going to do 204 laps, which equates to 51 miles, um, half uphill. And so I woke up at three in the morning and walked for 15 hours uphill and downhill to 51 laps in one day and beat the lap record. Um, and, but it taught me so much about walking in uncomfortable situations. It is a, uh, what they call a, uh, a super marathon or an ultra marathon mm -hmm. uh, when you do the math, because I guess a marathon is like only 26 miles. I was out there. I, I ate and walked. I had the whole community come out, people giving me waters, high fives, listening to music, walking laps with me. We talked about every almost every person in like the 35 person community did a lap with me. And we talked about different topics on their recovery and where they were at. And I was, I walked with a nun and talked about Jesus and learned about God more. I talked with a kindergarten teacher and remembered like 
you know, that sense of being a child and childhood trauma and like what I had grown from that. And so I really honestly, I did this and I ended up passing out afterwards and going to the hospital, but which like, even though I was hydrated and everything, I was like, well, I was smoking cigarettes and (laughs) I think I smoked a cigarette afterwards and just like completely collapsed out of like adrenaline rush. Um, because I'd never like trained or done anything, but that was something that you mentioned that I I wasn't going to talk about on here. But that the walking in uncomfortability, but also remembering the fact that you are a part of the universe and the community, and that you are one in many. But that like there will be uncomfortable situations. You know what I mean? I'm sweating. I'm talking to a nun, and like with her therapy dog, and we're walking, and I'm, you know that's uncomfortable. Being like I'm gay and you know, I did all this stuff and here I am in rehab with you. And she's like, I get it. Like I'm, you know? And so I think that putting myself out there and doing that really changed my life. That was something from rehab that I'll never forget. It's my 51 mile journey. Did, did you ask her if they're called nuns because they're not allowed to get some? No. Oh, that's <laughs> a great joke. Uh, no, I think she uses the term sister. Uh, no. We called her sister. Uh, she was great. And she was like super accepting and loving and, incredible Hmm. so i i guess this definitely changes my whole perception of rehabs and classifications because if you were to talk to me yesterday about luxury rehabs which is not what this place was i don't think completely but i would say yeah like what what the hell are people wasting all that money for like the information is simple you don't need to spend a whole ton of money on it yes it's good to get out of your environment for a while to form some new habits but are you being too pampered in these kind of environments? And then Billy said earlier today, we were talking to him when he was here and he was saying like the thing that he thought was interesting was the specialized and individualized treatment. And I was like, Whoa, okay. I got to rethink my view of luxury rehabs. Cause that's actually pretty smart. But what you're sharing about this holistic rehab idea, I mean, Maybe it's a bias of mine, but I love it. Like, I, I think there's a lot of, to be useful oh, I, in there. Absolutely. Was it covered by insurance? Was this, like, out of pocket? How did that work? Like, how do people get to a Both. place like this? So some people had insurance. Some people didn't. Mine was kind of half and half. Uh, it is a part of Acadia, which is, like, a giant uh, rehab, like, overseer. Hmm. So they have tons of different locations. Some are those luxury, bougie rehabs. Some aren't. Some are included with state funded. So it's kind of a hodgepodge. This one, uh, yeah, the the individualized um, growing and learning is definitely something, you know, I connected with Reiki, really. So I kind of, you know, investigated into that realm and meditation and yoga. So I kind of, and there's nothing just in case you're ever in the opportunity, there's nothing like sunrise yoga in the mountains watching the sunrise over the Santa Fe, New Mexico desert and mountains. Hmm. I am jealous. I feel like every human should be able to have this month long experience. Yeah. And also seeing the stars and just kind of really just connecting with earth and just like where you're at. I think the individualized, uh, moments that we had in where they're telling you like okay so i had a lot of trauma with my dad and maybe some of my using was that he was also in recovery he never drank for the 30 years or whatever and so you know i did a whole investigation on that and really pulling you aside into these moments of uncomfortability and leaning into them as Mm -hmm. opposed to leaning away from them if something if someone you know and you had your moments where you were like this is too much we had grief counseling one day i completely lost it and was just like throwing stuff and you know having a meltdown but as you do in rehab and something i'll never forget i just want to share is sometimes in the moment it sucks some of the like i was in emdr which uses light immersion do you know what that stands for electro uh eye movement desensitization yeah eye movement desensitization and reprocessing so it helps like reprocess where you store different memories and stuff but it can also make you very hyperventilated it was thanksgiving day i did it my very first time and i threw up into a bucket and was throwing up as she's like work through it work through it and in hindsight that was incredible it was the best experience but you kind of need to trust the process again i think it was definitely one of those trust the process with holistic versus i think you have to know 
the thing I take from this conversation, I think you have to know yourself hmm. to choose a rehab. I think a regime and like you do though, you know, it sounds funny. I'm laughing but, at myself. Oh, actually. It, it sounds funny. But like, yeah, we had a tight schedule. You had to be up at a certain time. Breakfast was this time. You had to be at groups. You had to get signed in and they take attendance and do all these things. And you had to attend a certain amount of things each day and participate a certain amount, you know, or else you didn't get credit and then you got in trouble and stuff. But you had to, I think you need to know yourself to know what you connect with as a person. And I think that's where the downfall in mental health, unfortunately, comes from, is that a lot of people don't get that opportunity to investigate themselves at a young age, instead get stigmatized, and then end up in a rehab that might not be as helpful to them as something else that they can also afford. You know, I think being able to do yoga and chant and do all these things that I would automatically connect to open me up to recovery. So now I am in all the 12-step programs. I am doing the work that's more traditional. I'm doing my steps. I'm doing the meetings. But had I just been forced into a meeting in rehab, I probably would have been like, get the fuck away from me. Mm -hmm. Whereas like finding recovery dharma from a hippie that lived in a van, he did, and he was van life. I love him. I adore him. Um, and like, he came up to me smoking his cigarette and was like, Hey man, like, here's this book. You should come check it out, man. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then next I'm in recovery Dharma meeting. And now it's a huge part of my recovery. So I think being able to know yourself a little bit does help in recovery because while we are investigating who we are in recovery, I think you can't become your truest self unless you're, unless you're presented the opportunity to unlock that. Yeah, I, I wasn't laughing at you. I oh, was, no, no, you're fine. Like, I was please. laughing at my... I mean, I just told Jenny earlier, I'm going to get this message that different people need different things at some point. And, and you were saying that, and I'm like, nope, they all need a holistic rehab. Fuck them. They're not doing it right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's right where my brain went. We all need that to open up and be better people. God damn it. Yeah, I and think I that's what's that. also cool about Recovery Dharma is that we do bring in other things. You're, you know, you're trying... There's a thousand different types of meditation. We just did an inquiry into you know, uh, meditation where we did a 30 minute sit meditation that was guided, but then, you know, different people have brought in like music meditations, chanting meditations. There's all sorts of different avenues in, in these generic or regular branches. There's a thousand different ways to lead a 12 step meeting. You know what I mean? And so I actually think not knocking Cecil County, but being queer okay. and artsy and random down here is more, traditional rehab for me and roughing it than it is out in santa fe you know i, I know we've gotten past the moment a little bit but oh, you had no. mentioned having that meltdown oh and, yeah and i don't know just hearing words like that and this, it might not be this connotation for you yeah but i always think oh my god that's so self-critical no it's not a meltdown no it's, it's a, a release it's an overwhelmed nervous system like it's, it's oh yeah no i mean i, I just use... didn't want you <laughs> oh no, no no i don't get down to myself about meltdowns i think it's a beautiful gorgeous thing um if anyone is going through any trauma, I highly suggest you see the play or movie or read the book of Monster Calls. There's a, a moment in that that's an overwhelmed nervous system or uh, whatever you just said adequately, but I can't remember. But uh, so I definitely, I, I think meltdowns are have a bad connotation around them, but yeah. I think they're beautiful moments. I think that's what, where you grow so much. Uh and had I not thrown a bunch of rocks over into over the fence into the desert and screamed a bunch of profanities and hateful words about myself, I think that energy would have been captured in me. And we did that one day. And we kind of did it in a recovery Dharma meeting. We threw stuff into the lake down here um, and like burning some of our shame and stuff i think that's really helpful but meltdowns yeah I, I like what you said maybe maybe that's my shit and i haven't let go of my association with meltdown as a a negative connotation right it's this tantrum me like little kid can't get himself together kind of idea in my head and maybe that's maybe that's mine i think it's yours. also one of those things no i think it's beautiful like someone recently was saying in therapy um and by someone i mean my therapist um <laughs> <laughs> shout out uh, they were saying that, you know, that's the whole thing. Like when they tell you to watch a sad movie sometimes mm. and just get it out. Like sometimes you have bottled up emotions you don't even know about. And then all of a sudden they hit you like a ton of bricks and you're just like, whoa. Mm. The scheduled cry we were just talking about. Scheduled oh, scheduled cry. cry. You should absolutely. I am here to tell you a good scheduled cry is important 
to recovery. In my opinion, I am. It's been working for the me. guest. It's been working for me and I'm doing it and I'm here for it. Are you not? I don't know. Jenny ran the scheduled cry idea by me the other day and I didn't get much chance to think more about it. But in my response to her, what came up was when we're not crying in order to save it for later. And it just, I didn't feel like where oh, I want to no. be. Ultimately. You need a good. This sounds like a one-on-one case of a scheduled cry well, in the need. The the moment. So <laughs> the, she. I'm here to diagnose. This is actually our <laughs> intervention. We're taking over to tell you that you need a scheduled cry. Well, well, okay, now that you're going to get us into it. So the situation she presented was that these people at her daughter's school. Can I share this? Yeah. Oh, people at her daughter's school had been like really thoughtful in the fact that she's going to, you know, um, educate her daughter at home from now on and really encourage. It was very exciting. It was like this really beautiful moment. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about it in relationship to that, that she went home and had a scheduled cry afterwards. And I'm like, I don't know, man, how much more beautiful would our world be if you just shared that gratitude cry with them? Like, I would love for people to cry right in front of me. I don't think, take it home. I think yes and no. I think sometimes a scheduled cry is, I think that's a different connotation than I'm saying. Well, I've done those too. Like, I've had, that was a gratitude scheduled yeah, cry. Yeah, gratitude schedule. Yeah, there's <laughs> yeah. different categories, and I just wanted yeah. to be sure that but we were I've identifying them. Like, I've also had, like, deep sadness. Yeah, like, I had I'm a shit. Hold this until I, I had home. a shit week. Yeah. I'm going to hold this, and then I'm going to watch, like, whatever have you and just sit and cry yeah like put on radiohead and just let it out like yeah that, that's my scheduled cry i don't i guess the the thing that came up for me when she said it and and, and this might have only came up because she presented it like had she said i hate scheduled cries what do you think about them i would have probably been like oh my god scheduled cries have so much benefit um because i'm just like anti everything but I think what came up was like, what do I lose by scheduling it for later? And I feel like we have this idea in our society that you can't cry in certain spaces or with certain people. And like, how much more connected would we be if we just cried in that moment when we needed to? That's like, what, what I also that loved in others? rehab is that it kind of reminded me of going to theater school in that every place was a sacred place in that mm. The group and community, I think some people, and I hate when they do it, is people apologize in meetings, 12-step meetings, for crying or showing emotion or getting angry. And it's like, so when we were in rehab, so many times people would just, I mean, people are pouring out their hearts in some of these projects. And so you really got to see people be completely vulnerable and remember that like we're all somewhat just trying to make it through in some weird kind of sense of the word and i think that was really beautiful just to see true raw emotion happening in in the you know because there's definitely things that i got frustrated and angry or cried about and like would save it for my casita cabin and just like sit in there and cry but then like in in actuality just being in the moment crying is beautiful too you may or may not be surprised by how many people apologize profusely for crying in therapy. I'm like, this is what the fuck we're here for, man. Do it. Um, we are getting short on time. One thing I did want to mention just because it came up when I was doing a Google search and trying to find more information about different types of rehabs and everything is that be careful when you're Googling for rehab suggestions because there's a lot of... So there's a lot of rehab review websites and they're all owned by different conglomerates of rehabs that promote their rehab. And so just be really careful when you're investigating if there's a place. I, I think uh, word of mouth slash experience is probably the absolute best way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't get scammed into any of these lines that tell you they're going to give you the best. Maybe they have your best interest at heart. Maybe they don't. Um, and, and I, you know, I know finances are an issue for people when trying to go into rehab like sometimes we have to go where we have to go but if it's the consideration of like am i worth this amount of money like yeah don't even question that twice like fuck yeah you're you're worth this amount of money and this experience of of something that might provide something that really benefits the rest of your life um is there any other final thoughts that anybody had any final questions you had i know you didn't say a whole lot today jenny oh well i mean i thought everything i you like i was so curious about your experience this has been like very satisfying i loved hearing about yes i petted the horse yes (laughs) i did do the equine therapy and i did pet the horse that's awesome that wasn't my question but i did want to know that too i would have asked you later um do you think rehab romances were more 
do you think there's more instances of rehab romance in a holistic one than versus another one? Because no. it happens in all the rehabs. No. No? Okay. I think it was probably the average amount. Okay. The average amount. Rehab Straight people do the wildest things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you still keep in touch with your with people there? Yes, I do. We have a uh, alumni board, and then we also have a group text of like the core group of like six of us that we text almost every day i texted yeah. three of my friends on the way i was like yo i forgot to tell you all i'm on a podcast <laughs> talking about rehab <laughs> so shout out to my friends and the oh, 51 you guys are club. all still sober yeah and a bunch that's of us great. were all still sober uh and a bunch of us actually so this is actually the tattoo of a labyrinth and the four noble truths uh of buddhism and it is also the symbol of our rehab <laughs> so a bunch of us got it thanks chris as my final thought is only uh, something that was mentioned in rehab, and I just love the quote is leave that shit in the desert. The desert can handle it. Ooh. Nice. There you go, everybody. Take your shit out there and leave it in the desert. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Did you like this episode? Share it with people you think might get something out of it. Check out the rest of our episodes at recoverysortof.com. Also, while you're there, you can find ways to link up with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, anything. We're always looking for new ideas. Got an idea you want us to look into? Reach out to us.